Researcher George Barna has discovered that nearly 75% of Americans do not believe in absolute truth. Without the clarity and consistency of absolute moral truth, we are reduced to doing what seems right, what feels good, what produces the least resistance, and what provides the greatest personal fulfillment. In our present cultural environment, it's imperative for followers of Christ to be convictional, courageous, and compassionate. We must know what we believe, why we believe it, and how we can communicate it to others. In short, we must be unshaken in our faith and unashamed of the gospel. The main subject of the entire Bible is Jesus Christ. We must move away from, what can Jesus do for me, to, am I living in light of his lordship? We don't simply add Jesus to our lives like he's some sort of app on our phones. We must adore him with our lives through our allegiance and obedience. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street. And when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. This message called Who Jesus Is is from our sermon series called Unshaken and Unashamed. Listen now to part one. Many years ago, an article appeared in the Washington Post. It featured a new church in the state of Maryland. Using market research and focus groups, this church designed weekly services which deliberately de-emphasized Jesus Christ. One of the founders of the church said this, quote, the sad fact is the name of Jesus Christ has become for many people exclusionary. So get this, using Hindu and Zen intermingled with a few verses from the Bible and recorded music by Willie Nelson in their services, one leader summarized their mission. This is the mission of that church. It's even hard to call it a church. Quote, we're enabling people to discover God themselves, maybe through Jesus, maybe through Buddha, maybe through any number of ways. I don't have to tell you that we live in a pluralistic culture where it is commonplace to believe that there are different ways to God. The common idea is that God, however you may define him, is like on the top of a mountain and you can reach him by many different roads. The common thought is everyone will eventually get to the top, so it doesn't really matter what path you choose to get there. Well, last weekend we learned that the story of God is all about the glory of God and the unfolding of the gospel. And we focused on the grand story of the Bible. And I hope that impacted you like it did me. The Bible begins with creation, Genesis 1 and 2, and it doesn't take long until we're introduced to sin, when Adam and Eve sinned and plunged the whole world into sin. That's the fall, and then there's shadows throughout the Old Testament, prophecies looking ahead to redemption, where Jesus came and died in our place on the cross, was raised again, and the Bible ends, uh, Revelation chapter 21 and 22, with restoration. Restoration. 
Uh, this morning, Loretta Dietz, a longtime member of Edgewood, came up to me. She had this huge smile on her face. And she said, I've been able to tell the story of God's work in the Bible all week to my customers. She was just beaming. She said it was so, so helpful. And I hope you've experienced that as well. This past week, Hannah Cato, sitting in the back over there, I have her permission to share this. When Hannah was in high school, she learned an evangelistic method based on the meta-narrative, the grand story of the Bible. And Pastor Chris and I referenced this on the latest episode of Edgewood's 4G podcast, if you want to learn more. But when Hannah was in high school, she went to New York City with Spread Truth Ministries, and they did evangelism. And she was taught to utilize four questions Perhaps you'll find these helpful as well when you're talking to people who don't yet know Jesus. Simply start with this question. How do you think the world began? How did we all get here? Question number two, what do you think went wrong? I mean, people know that there is something wrong in the world today. Question three, is there any hope? And here you can talk about redemption. And then finally, what do you think happens when we die? The main subject of the entire Bible is Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus said about himself, John 5, 39. He's speaking to the religious guys who studied the Old Testament all the time. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness about me. In Luke 24, 27, we read, and beginning with Moses... (laughs) And all the prophets, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures concerning himself. How many of you have seen or used a red letter Bible where the words of Jesus are in red? Now imagine in Old Testament where every reference, every prophecy, every shadow, every image, every allusion to Christ also appeared in red. One author put it like this, if such a red letter Old Testament existed, it would glow in the dark. Dietrich Bonhoeffer remarked, it could light up a living room. Now, if you're a parent or a grandparent, I'm going to recommend a book. We featured this last weekend when we had a bookstore here. By the way, 400 books were sold last weekend, and that, that to me represents people, people who take their faith seriously and they want to grow. They say, I, I need to be resourced. I want to take my next step with Jesus. That's, that's very moving to me. So at the end of our weekend, as, the, as Aaron was packing up the bookstore, Pastor Kyle and, and Pastor Chris were talking to him, and they said, hey, could we have some of the books and feature them here even after you leave? And so over to the right of the cafe, up on the wall, there are a number of books, and you can, see, you can page through them. Those are samples, and then you can actually go to the cafe and purchase books that will help resource you. So here's one. It's called I See Jesus, and, and every story in here referencing an Old Testament narrative 
there's a shadow showing that there's a shadow of Jesus throughout the Old Testament. Highly recommend for parents and grandparents. And then we're gonna be talking today about progressive Christianity. Highly recommend this book. It's called Another Gospel by Elisa Childers. That's also available out there. Our focus today is on who Jesus is. And in my preparation, I listened to a podcast by Elisa Childers. She interviewed a guy named Jason Jimenez about his new book. Check out this title, Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him and Taking Over His Church. By exposing the phony Christ peddled by progressives, Jimenez shows why we can trust the Jesus of the Bible. Progressive churches have fabricated a new Jesus that's so different from the real Savior (laughs) that their faith can hardly be called Christianity. Many teachers and churches now offer a version of Jesus which emphasizes friendliness and acceptance and inclusion and tolerance. And, And I thought of an illustration. In essence, many, well, many have made Jesus into a bobblehead where he just nods at everything you do. Yeah, that's good. Yep, that's good. I approve. Friends, we see Christian leaders And pastors today deconstructing their faith and sliding into rank apostasy. And so we shouldn't be surprised that so many today are making or remaking Jesus into their own image. Now, lest we think these false and faulty beliefs about Jesus are just out there, I went back and looked at the Edgewood State of Theology survey. Again, we took this this summer. Over 600 people took this survey. And friends, we need to address some of our own doctrinal deficiencies. So consider statement number eight. God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Now ponder that for a moment. And on the results, okay, 70% strongly disagree, but that should be a lot higher than that. Because what we're going to learn today and be reminded of is there is only one way to heaven, and it is through Jesus Christ. Now, I listened to VOM radio yesterday. This is so exciting. So in Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran Today, only one-third of Iranians are Muslims. There has been a movement toward Christ in that country. I don't know if you've seen, there are, are, are banners and bumper stickers that say, Muslims love Jesus. Well, not really. But here's what I would say. Former Muslims are loving Jesus as they're putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Back to the survey, 45 people either strongly agreed or agreed with this statement, and 69 individuals were unsure how to answer. So I'm praying that as a result of our time together here today, that we'll see that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, let me be quick to say, I recognize some of the questions in our survey were unclear, perhaps even confusing. But nevertheless, we must get our doctrine correct. 
We see this exhortation in 1 Timothy 4.16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Some translations say, and on your doctrine. Persist in this. Go after this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Jude chapter 3 or verse 3 calls us to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So fellow follower of Christ, lean in. It's time for us to contend for the faith so that we are not shaken by things we see and hear and how other people are living so we are not shaken and so that we are on ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you with me, church? It's time for us to settle this in here so that when God scatters us out there where we're called to live on mission, we will be firm in our faith and bold in our proclamation of the gospel. Now, scores of churches have become progressive, but we've also and are being proselytized by pluralism in our culture. This has led some to the heresy of universalism or the false belief that any religion can save you as long as you are sincere. Yeah, as long as you're sincere, you're good. It's common to hear something like this. All religions basically teach the same things on the big issues. They just differ on the small things. Steve Turner in his work called The Creed answers the question of whether all religions really do teach the same things. This is a quote from him. We believe that all religions are basically the same. They all believe in love and goodness. And then he says this. They only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. One author captured it well. If it is possible to be saved by any way other than Jesus, then Jesus and his death are unnecessary. If the core problem we present is anything less than sin, death, and hell, we are giving our congregations permission to become pluralists. Now, with all of that in mind, open your Bibles up to Colossians chapter 1. Feel free to use your mobile device. There are Bibles in front of you. If you don't have one, if you don't own a Bible, please take that Bible as our gift to you. Here's the backstory. Here's what's happening in Colossae. There's a lot of false teaching going on. At its core, they are, are minimizing Jesus. Many people thought Jesus was important but not essential. They had given him a place in their lives, but had not given him first place. Jesus may have been prominent to them, but he certainly was not preeminent. The word preeminent means above, superior, surpassing. The last part of verse 18 frames the passage so that in everything he might be, say it with me, preeminent, supreme, number one in our lives. Friends, we need to move away from what can Jesus do for me to this question, am I living in light of his lordship? Have I surrendered my life to him? 
settle this. We don't simply add Jesus to our lives like we download an app on our phone. Yeah, okay, I'll take a little bit of Jesus. Hope he makes me happy. Hope I do better. Hope I have less stress. No, that's not how it works. No, Jesus is Savior and he's Lord and you and I are called to adore him with our lives through our allegiance and through our obedience. That leads to our main idea. Make sure Jesus is preeminent in your life, not just prominent. The passage we're gonna look at right now is one of the strongest in scripture as it relates to the superiority of our Savior. If you're able to stand, I'm gonna invite you to stand and let's read these few verses together from Colossians chapter one. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You can be seated. We see four truths about Jesus in these verses. Number one, he is God. Verse 15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That word image in Greek means likeness, manifestation. It means replica. It referred to a die or a stamp which was able to make exact reproductions. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the precise copy because he is God himself. He both represents and manifests God to the world. Let me take us to John 14, 9. Jesus said this about himself. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. In a parallel passage, Hebrews 1, 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Secondly, he's the unique son of God. Jesus is not only God, he is the firstborn over all creation, Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses believe this verse teaches Jesus was a created being and therefore not God. Actually, the phrase firstborn is most frequently translated as heir or owner. In ancient time, it meant the ranking one, the supreme one. Number three, he's the creator of all things. Most of us don't think this way because most of us think Jesus got his start in Bethlehem when he was born. Not true. Jesus is the image of God and the exalted one over all creation because he is the creator for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Jesus is not a mere man. He's the creator of all things, those things we can see and those things we cannot see. Let me take us back to the Edgewood State of Theology survey I was unsettled by the responses given to statement number 11. It reads like this, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. 
Now, surprisingly, only 48% of us strongly disagreed with that statement. But friends, we need to settle this. Jesus has always been. He's a member of the Trinity. He came to earth to die for our sins, but he has always been. He is not created. Now, let me give some grace. Perhaps people only read the first part of this statement because he is the first and the greatest, right? And and maybe they answered accordingly. But Jesus was not created. Now, let me just stay on this point for a little bit. This was a huge issue in the early church because this is the heresy of Arianism. And out of Arianism, that's what Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, and Unitarians believe about Jesus. And we need to settle this. Jesus is the creator. He was not created. Jesus existed before everything else. Let me take us to John chapter 8. Jesus is having a dialogue with the religious leaders, and they're claiming that Abraham is their father, like Abraham is our guy. And Jesus said, well, if Abraham was your father, you would be living differently, and you would believe in me if that were true. So it's contentious. And then Jesus dropped something on them that really shook them up. He said these words, John 8, 58. Before Abraham was, I am. Woe. And we don't even get the woe that they would have got. So not only is he saying, I was around before Abraham was, he's saying that he is God because he said, I am. That's the answer God gave to Moses in Exodus 3. When Moses didn't want to go to the people, he's like, I don't want to go. Okay, if I go, who should I say is sending me? God answers, tell them, I am who I am is sending you. Tell them, Yahweh is sending you. The Nicene Creed affirms this. Jesus was begotten, not made. So we're going to dive deeper into the doctrine of Christ. We're going to camp on the doctrine of Christ during the month of December leading up to Christmas, including his pre-existence. And I think we're going to approach Christmas in a whole nother way, in a glorious way this year. So Jesus is not only the creator, but he also provides the purpose for his creation. All things were created through him and for him him. The goal of all creation is to glorify Christ. Revelation 4.11, New Living Translation, says it like this, for you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and that they were created. Number four, he holds all things together. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like our country's falling apart right now? Our world? Maybe even your life today. You're like, if you only knew what's going on in my heart right now and in your mind, the kind of week you've had, the place you've been in your life, the relationships that have ruptured, the diagnoses you've received, and maybe you're just in a really hard place and you're like, I, I can't hold it all together. Listen, Jesus holds all things together. 
And Christ is before all things, both in time and rank. He's not only the creator of the world, he's the cohesion that brings and keeps it all together. In him, everything came to be, and by him, everything continues to be. Jesus, if Jesus were to remove his sustaining power, everything would dissolve into disorder. Friends, we don't have to be shaken. We don't have to be ashamed because Jesus upholds everything by the word of his power. Remember, there is no crisis in heaven today. He will be exalted among the nations. You can trust Jesus right now with what's happening in our world and with what's happening in your world. The question is, will you trust him? Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to listen to this message again, you can now download episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts by going to edgewoodbaptist.net. We'd love to have you as a guest at one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.